Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 21st, 2012. For newcomers, you should help yourself to the information at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. And as I say, there's hundreds of audios to download for free where I try and show you the system you're born into, how it really works and how they've conditioned you to see it in a different fashion, of course. It's, it's a very old system, uh, a very old system of really control, controlled by always getting the populace to believe what they're told to believe by predatory, or predatory really is, is the name for it because they're all predators at the top, but really basic uh, preparation from your early informative years. First, your parents start because they generally don't know they're living in a, a kind of fantasy world, and then education takes over, and education is essential for you to be brainwashed later in life. If you don't get that early brainwashing, the subsequent propaganda doesn't take so well, and you can actually think for yourselves, and then you're a danger to people. So, yeah, go into the website, make use of it, uh, lots lots do all over the world, and um, you can also uh, get transcripts for download on all the sites I've got listed there, and you get transcripts in other languages than English if you go into alanwatchsentinel.eu. And remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you, I don't bring on advertisers as guests, and I don't sell any products outside my books and discs. So if you want to keep me going, and I mean really keep me going, and it's getting pretty bad now, it's very, very tight indeed, uh, you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com or you can donate and you'll find out how to do it at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. But from the U.S. to Canada, personal checks are good, uh, as is you can use per, uh, postal orders, international postal orders from the post office. You can use PayPal, and some people can send cash as they do. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Because if you don't understand the past, you won't understand the present. And you certainly won't understand the future because it's a very old program you're living through. And the techniques uh, of controlling vast populations and nations are very, very, very old. They're actually very ancient. And knowledge is never lost as we go through generation to generation by those who rule. And, of course, it's all based on this system. Basically, it's run by the money boys who've been around for thousands of years. And you can rule the world with the use of money. You can create wars. You've got think tanks to work on every possible problem, thousands and thousands of them. All the big foundations do, which are just fronts for the big banks. And uh, they have big armies of NGOs that go and protest when they're told to. And they're very, very quiet when real things are happening because they're told not to go and demonstrate. So they're, they're basically like an army that takes orders from the foundations that fund them awfully handsomely. And we live in a, as I say, in a, a system, a, a, an exact system. Look up the, the, what a system means. And you'll find that everything in this system is really artificial. Uh, not to help you, but certainly to make full use of you as a worker generally, uh, as a taxpayer. 
and uh, someone who goes along to get along. Uh, they give you lots of entertainment, for instance, to keep you busy in your spare time. That way you don't chat about things that you should be chatting about that's coming down the pike that will affect you because uh, you might do something about it then. So you you get into a fantasy world. There's lots of fantasy out there to take care of all that. And then you're no problems at all. Yeah, and you put all your stuff up on Facebook quite happily too, most of you, giving them permission then to take all the data that's all out there on the web and, and use it along with their studies as they study you intensely. But you cannot help some people. That's the system we're living through. And it's getting worse and worse because... They know that the public don't mind unobtrusive surveillance. Back with more after this break. Hi, I am Alan Watts, and we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system, the system that very few folk understand. They often get carried away with sensationalism and stuff. I'll go back to their fiction, and they, they mix the two together until really everything becomes unreal, everything, even even the, the history they're living through. And you, that's what you have to do, is find out the history you're actually living through right now. Because even that is hard to get a hold of the true reality of it all. And it's up to you to do your own thinking for yourselves. You don't go all over the globe bombing people uh, uh, year after year for year upon end. It just doesn't happen. And you don't do it at a time when your own country has been plundered by bankers. And you don't do it when, when also you, you've got, well, more wars to come up to on the table, obviously, since it's, they're going further east. And you don't do it when people are, are unemployed and having a hard time. At the same time, they want to bring in stiff fees for carbon taxes and everything else. When they're doing all this at the same time, it's not because they're stupid or crazy. They have another agenda on the go for you for when this is all over. That's why. Now, here's an article here from Mainstream. It says, Afghanistan's Karzai thanks Obama for your taxpayers' money. Isn't that nice? At least someone thanked you for the first time in history, I think. And it says here, uh, looking to a day when the Afghan war, as we understand it, is over. That's very well, interestingly worded. President Barack Obama met Sunday with Afghan President Hamid Karzai to discuss NATO's withdrawal from the strife torn country at the end of 2014. I guess if they're not out, uh, the war as we understand it is over. They'll just go back to calling it a police action or something like that, or containment. And anyway, it says that Karzai, who aims to secure billions of dollars, it's a puppet government the U.S. put in, remember, and, and Karzai as well. In fact, nobody voted the last time, I think. It's only a tiny fraction of people voted who were all part of the government. Anyway, it says, Karzai, who aims to secure billions of dollars in long-term aid for his country's military and economy, said look forward to a day when Afghanistan is no longer a burden on the shoulders of our friends in the international community, on the shoulders of the United States and other allies, and bringing to you and to the people of the U.S. the gratitude of the Afghan people for the support that your taxpayers' money has provided Afghanistan over the past 10 years and for the difference that has made to the well-being of the Afghan people, Karzai told Obama as he walks away with more billions. 
But uh, that's just the way it goes, isn't it? And uh, there's folks starving at home. And, of course, all their factories are now in China because the politicians made that part of the agenda too because all the politicians, it doesn't matter if they're left-wing, right-wing, at the top, they're all members of the Council on Foreign Relations who are sworn to bring in world governments. And they were the guys who signed the WTO that allowed all your factories to be shipped, uh, paid for by your taxes too, over to China. And all their losses for t- up to 10 years if they claimed they were not making what they thought they'd make. Not bad daily. Hasta la vista, U.S. It says Mexicans wave goodbye as the crisis deepens. It's a video put up tonight at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com with all the topics to discuss. And it says thousands of Mexicans are packing for a home after finding less opportunity in the U.S. than they've hoped for. Discovering a fragile economy and weak job market, many illegal immigrants are heading back south of the border, reversing a decades-old trend. And I'll put that link up for you to, to see. They're living pretty well down south. Some, one of those guys has got a nice car, a nice home, and a whole bit, which is a lot more than some people in the U.S. have got now. And this article here is from Australia, and it's from the Greenies, of course, who are telling people now how to live, which is their big agenda, how to live, apart from who to breed with, or if they allow you to breed at all down the road, because they want to save the planet, having fewer of you. And it says, um, the website offers ways people can avoid using power. Uh, use blankets, uh, pullovers, jumpers, and exercise to keep warm. So jump up and down and keep warm in the winter. And the charities see advice as patronizing to the poor. So they should, people should wear jumpers and blankets and so on, play board games, and walk up more to save on energy bills this winter, the federal government website says. Isn't that wonderful? Your, fed, your government, that's the biggest blower of money on the planet, who they can't go out for a meal of 10 people without bringing in about 10 grand just to pay for it on your, your tab, of course. They're telling you how to live. And uh, it's an absolute disgrace, absolute disgrace. And, of course, uh, there's a charity that says that advice is patronizing to the poor. Also goes into the fact there's an awful lot of poor folk emerging who can't get work and they're losing their homes and all the rest of it. But uh, the Living Greener website tells people that choosing all, all these clothing, extra clothing, overheating and so on, uh, and walking and cycling, uh, overdriving, can make a difference to how much winter's bite will hurt your wallet. So the power of the person in the end could make you all starve to death, freeze to death, whatever, unless you get bundled up and uh, jump up and down for the whole of the winter. They did the same thing in Britain a, a few years ago, by the way. Same, same article, actually, same damn wording from the same organization that runs Australia, Britain, and everywhere else. It also suggested drawing up shopping lists uh, uh, that will prevent food from being wasted and uh, having fun unplugged, such as playing board games instead of the Xbox, will also save on bills. And so... It's all to save the planet, of course, and to cut down your energy bills, which is a blackmailing part of it. Uh, but that's the way the world is going now. And also, here's an article too. It says, electricity bills are set to rise to pay for wind farm subsidies. And that's in Britain. Household electricity bills rise by as much as a quarter to pay for wind farms and other forms of renewable energy, according to a new report. And it challenges the government's claims that energy bills will actually fall. The, the, the other one, the study challenges that the government's claims that energy bills will fall in the next years because of energy-efficient savings. The coalition is relying on the savings to offset the price increases caused by renewable energy subsidies. I mean, they, spend, they get millions of dollars in subsidies 
to give you a trickle back, these wind farms. It says those extra costs are added onto the household bills in the form of consumer subsidies. <laughs> this week, the Department of Energy and Climate Change. So you don't have a Department of Energy anymore. It's always the Departments of Energy and Climate Change. Right? Like it's a done deal thing. Will publish its draft energy bill, setting it out how it plans to reform the electricity market and reduce the cost to households. So it's, uh, it's, it says that... Uh, Energy bills will begin to fall from next year and will be reduced by 7% or £94 by 2020 because of new energy-efficient policies. But the thing is, it's going to be way more than that because of all the the, the, the propping up they get from the taxpayer. So it's a complete scam and a con. You can't win. See, this system is not meant for you to win. This is a big agenda, and you're going along with it whether you like it or not. That's what they're telling you, really. And... And this was another one, too, uh, from Australia. Environmentalists take aim at senseless surfing in the Internet by bored people. And uh, similar to the last Australian one. And it says, um, if the entire Internet were a country, it would be the fifth largest consumer of electricity globally, moaned Claudia Sprintz, uh, or Sprintz, yeah, super nag of Greenpeace, Austria. Uh, it says, and that figure, she claims, will triple by the year 2020. A huge consumption of resources is taking place out of pure boredom, Sprint says. YouTube videos of cats wandering aimlessly through the web or, catching, or, se- or searching for worthless information that's forgotten three minutes later. This behavior is destroying the environment, she fr- frets. Sprint says that people should go out for a walk in the park if they're bored. Just a single search for Chuck Norris causes as much as CO2 as a car traveling 7.5 centimeters. It's great how they, they pick out numbers out the, out the air eh? and just stick it up there. Anyway, Sprint's, um, uh, has a complete accounting of human violations against the climate and environment. Modus operandi, the internet. So she uses the internet. Did you know that 62 million spam mails sent annually are equivalent to 1.6 million cars traveling around the globe? She also says that people need to be made aware that surfing and the internet consumes energy and we have to use the technology more responsibly. And then she goes on a whole bunch of ways to do it. And uh, it's, it's amazing these self-appointed guardians of the planet, isn't it? The self-appointed guardians of the planet have been given the power to even tell us what to do because they've appointed a lot of uh, these people onto the boards of every government as, you know, science czars and things like that, environment czars. And most folk now today don't really care much about privacy. They're trained, actually. They've been trained, the young ones especially, that oh, who needs it? Who needs privacy? And it says, uh, we've gone through so many articles in the past about uh, Facebook and others grabbing all your data and, and making, what, $97 billion or something they're talking about there at the, and for a free, a free thing. Where do you think they're getting all that money from? For the folk who study you, of course. Facebook and smartphones, the new tools for psychological science research. So they get into it big time. Whether you're an an eye person who can't live without a Mac, a Facebook addict, or a gamer, you know that social media and technology say things about your personality and thought processes. And psychological scientists know it too. They've started researching how new media and devices both reveal and change our mental states. And it says... um, with Facebook's preparing to sell shares in Wall Street for the first time next week, investors aren't the only ones who want a piece of their social media giant. Social scientists have recognized Facebook and its 800 million plus users as a goldmine for data about people's social relationships and many researchers have incorporated it into the research programs. 
Psychological scientists Robert E. Wilson, Samuel T. Gosling and Lindsay T. Graham compiled all social science studies involving Facebook and took a look at the types of questions researchers are asking. And it's all to see if the big agenda is working and, and the absolute destruction and, and grand finale of the family, really. That's really what it's all about, you see, to see how dysfunctional society is now. Because pretty well it is. It's completely dysfunctional now. It can't go on forever being dysfunctional. But the ones like the Pentagon who actually have virtual use using all of this data know that uh, eventually the time will come when they will bring a different kind of system, a very totalitarian system, which you can see the, the beginnings of right now. But that's what people bring on themselves, isn't it? From I'll be back in a minute after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. You know, the world really is dysfunctional, and it's going really, really crazy too. But in this big system, this world, global system, you understand, we're, we're being taught gradually that we're all the same. Everybody's the same. And anything that any human being can do, in any strange way at all, is therefore normal, and you have to accept it, like it or not. It's an order, basically. And lots of things are going to happen as we go into this multi, further into the multi-cult. You cannot be offended, you see, by anything, unless you belong to uh, the ones who are causing this, the far liberal type that are pushing this, because uh, they're allowed to be offended, but no one else, you see. If you're politically correct, you can be offended, but no one else can be offended by what you do. Anyway, it says that Thai police arrest man after baby's bodies are found roasted and wrapped in gold leaf. This is an old, old custom, actually, in, in Thailand that's making a big resurgence. And the Chinese are in it, too. Lots of people are into it because there's big money involved in it, too. And it says Thai police arrested a British man. Friday, he's actually Chinese, but he's got a British citizenship. After discovering six human babies which had been roasted and wrapped in gold leaf in preparation for a type of black magic ritual, according to reports. It's a, actually a Far Eastern ritual. Police say Friday that they found the corpses packed into suitcases in Bangkok's Chinatown on Thursday. The AFP news agency reported Chow Hock Kuen, a British citizen born in Hong Kong of Taiwanese parents, was being held for possession of human remains. And it says Quen or Con had, had repeatedly brought the corpses several days before for 200,000 bats, $6,400, and planned to smuggle them into Taiwan. It was not reported where he bought them, but police speculated it was in Thailand. And it says, although some media reports indicate that the bodies were fetuses, uh, why would Chum Chumnan of Bangkok's police children's and women's protection unit told Reuters that the bodies were of children between the ages of two and seven months? Some were found covered in gold leaf. And it says, uh, Cam Chumnan told the AFP that Kuen uh, planned to sell the corpses to clients who believe they will make them luck in, lucky and rich. They're really big in this over there. The Chinese are too luck as a, a way of replacing all religions, lucky and, and awfully rich. You see. Anyway, he faces a fine of 2,000 baht or $64 and up to one year in prison. 
uh, says that uh, he was staying at the hotel in, in Keosant Road, Bangkok's backpacker area, but that the bodies were found in a separate hotel. Police had received a tip-off that infant corpses were being offered to wealthy clients through a website advertising black magic services. Black magic rituals are still practiced in Thailand, where street-side fortune tellers offer ceremonies to reverse bad luck. According to reports, a ritual of enshrining fetuses is practiced in some Chinese communities. And um, that should go down well here. It'll probably take off. And, and the, I mean, we're so degraded here, uh, nothing would surprise me at all. Not at all, you know. And um, I think it's called Kuman Thong is, is what the, the, the technique they used for the gilt, the gold gilt to put on them. And um, it actually says in this article, it's an effigy or statue which is revered in Thailand by animists and Buddhists. The statue is believed to bring back luck, luck and fortune to the owner properly revered. And again, they covered that with uh, uh, gold gilt, same as these babies. And it means young boy or young girl. Uh, would be kumari, uh, thong means golden, for the for the wrapping that they give on them. So it's, it seems to be back in practice, and uh, and they want to sell them. I know, and there was a, also a Buddhist priest kicked out of a monastery for doing the same kind of thing a while back, and he started doing the same thing on the streets. He was selling them on the streets. He didn't discontinue the practice. And um, there's an article here too. It's from the BBC. And it says, Thailand fetus found, uh, or find breaks abortion taboo. This is an older story, but it kind of ties in. Now, the BBC is all for abortion across the whole planet. Uh, so they actually make an excuse right away. Oh, there's a lot of women getting pregnant. But then they go into the, to the, the black magic part of it. And the fact that Thailand itself is so full of hookers of even, even, you know, children at 12. That's a big, um, uh, place for, for those, for, for predators to go for pedophiles and predators to go because they have such lax rules and have so much AIDS now with these young girls uh, just forced into prostitution to please the the foreigners. Anyway, he says in a quiet corner of the Buddhist temple in Bangkok, an impromptu shrine has been created. Cartons of milk and children's toys have been placed on the ground in front of an unimposing grey building divided in small compartments marked by padlock doors. It's, it's, this, is, this is the temple morgue where bodies are stored before being cremated. But the shrine is unusual because the offerings have been left to ease the tr- transition of restless souls from this life to the next. The souls of 2,000 to, uh, and, and two aborted fetuses that were recently discovered behind the locked doors. The remains are widely believed to have come from illegal clinics. And then they go into their, you know, you know oh, it's a shame they're all doing a, a legal abortions. But then they do go into the fact after... Uh, hyping up and doing a rah-rah for abortion, they go into uh, the problems in the country itself with uh, massive prostitution, massive prostitution. It says here, Thailand is also a society full of contradictions. Part of central Bangkok revered the seedier side of life. Open-air bars line the streets with names that leave little to the imagination, such as red lips, pretty girls, and spankies. A bar stool, the bar stools are occupied by women waiting to entertain male, male customers. And, um, it's just a, it's pretty, pretty sad, but uh, it goes on about different sex trades and so on in Thailand. But, uh, the world's got to hell in the handbasket as it was designed to do by those who rule it. And then they'll bring in a new system. Back with more after this.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Ward. We're back cutting through the matrix and talking about this wonderful world we live in. It's, mind you, it's, it's quite an exciting time. I mean, you're, you're never bored for a second on the things that are happening all over the place, isn't it? Uh, the MBTA uh, and Homeland Security plan to release dead bacteria into three red line stations this summer to test bioterror sensors. I touched on this earlier, but there's a later update on it. And it's, uh, I think it's in Boston area. The test will be done in Cambridge and Somerville at Davis, Harvard Square and Porter stations. It says the bacteria, they say it's harmless, uh, is used as a food supplement for humans uh, and livestock. A food supplement for humans and livestock. And it's included in organic dog food according to a government Q&A attached as a PDF. So that makes you feel, they're telling the truth. Since so the test were done in Cambridge and Somerville, etc., etc., according to the WCVP, a lot if you get a new dictionary altogether, some residents who attended Wednesday's public hearing at the Cambridge YMCA expressed concern about the plan. They also criticised the exact dates for the test have and have not been made known. It says the bacteria will be released when stations are closed to the public. Really, the government had rejected a plan to release live bacteria at rush hour. That was their first plan to simulate more closely how an actual attack would likely take place. However, that option was rejected because of the possible danger to immune-compromised riders. That was thoughtful of them because they generally don't bother. For details, please see a second attached PDF with the government's analysis. So they have that there too. And um, they say it's because of the biological attacks in subway systems, which have long been a concern. In 1995, a Japanese cult released nerve gas in the Tokyo subway system. The attack killed 12 people and injured 5,000 500. Remember, in the 70s and 80s, the U.S. Were, were actually smashing light bulbs full of bacteria in the subways to test for the same kind of thing back then. They didn't tell anybody at that time until all, it was all over. Now, pet owners, it's just like people with vaccines, you know, and the vets are, it's big, big, big business. Big, same pharma companies, mind you, supply, uh, uh, making all the stuff for the, for the pets as well. And, and of course, if you know yourself that these small vet clinics, they go, these guys go into this job because, well, they're like animals, it's nothing, nothing to do with the, the, the incredible cash they rake in. But anyway, pet owners say cats' cancer is caused by vaccine. And it says, um, the family pet is dying of cancer. The owners say their veterinarians told them, uh, the tumor was likely caused by a vaccination. The bumps start growing towards the beginning of the year, said Elisa Gordon, one of the cat's owners. Her cat, Hozart, has a large open tumor just above his tail, same spot where the cat was vaccinated in Montana years ago. It was just a routine visit. Oh, your cat needs a vaccination, said Anthony Gordon, Alisa's dad. I was never told of any risks or anything like that. Anthony said the cat was vaccinated for rabies, distemper, and feline leukemia. Since Hozart developed the tumor, the family has learned that leukemia vaccine isn't necessary for indoor cats like Hozart and that it carries one of the highest risks of any animal vaccine for causing cancerous tumors. So it seems to be the vaccine most likely to induce sarcomas, said Dr. Deborah Gamaroth from High Country Veterinary Hospital in Colorado Springs. So watch your cats. And I know vets nowadays won't see a dog or a cat Unless the, the first thing they'll ask you is, had all its vaccinations? If not, they won't even, doesn't matter if its legs hanging off, they're not going to look at that dog until you, you pay them to give them all their vaccinations because it's big, big bucks, you see. Yeah, that's why they go into the business. 
uh, I saw, in fact, an article not too long ago where a family of uh, uh, lawyers, second or third family of lawyers, had changed it over into veterinary science because there was more money in it in small animal clinics, especially at the emergency time after 5 p.m. You pay $500 just to cross the door before they look at the thing, and then all the rest of that on top of it. So that's why they go into it. Just like people... You know, they'll mortgage their homes and everybody else will mortgage their homes, all their family, to, to, to make sure little Tommy or, or Susie stays alive or mates, because there's never a guarantee, is there? And medicine, same thing, same with the pets. Now in Britain, it's gone crazier and crazier, of course, as it's intended to do. Warning over busybodies who are given legal right to fine and demand information as numbers surge. And the police powers handed out like candies, warns Civil Liberty Group. Members of the public are given power to hand out fixed penalty notices and request names and addresses of those accused of antisocial behaviour. Now, antisocial behaviour might, might not be not shutting up when you're telling them what's happening in the world and they don't like what they're hearing. Anything can be construed that way. Careers ruined by someone given a few days' training. So, so thousands of civilians are part of a growing busybody army with police-style powers to fine and demand personal information. Civil Liberty Group, the Manifesto Club, yesterday warned that the extremely dangerous trend is resulting in police powers being handed out like sweets, which is candy. There were 1,406 official snoopers in 2008, but the ranks, which included traffic marshals, private security guards and street wardens, have swollen to 2,647. And this is a manifesto club submitted requests on their Freedom of Information Act to the 43 police forces in England and Wales and discovered that 28 operate community safety accreditation schemes. Under the schemes introduced by the Police Reforms Act 2002, a chief constable can give employees of councils and private security firms powers to carry out specific approved, approved roles, it says including the right to hand out fixed penalty notices for dog fouling, littering, cycling on a footpath, uh, fly posting and to request the name and address of people acting in an, in, in an antisocial manner. Someone who uh, can also confiscate alcohol and cigarettes from young people and issue penalty notices of up to £80 for disorder, which are recorded on the police national computer. So it says um, only five police forces, West Midlands, Gwent and Avon, Northamptonshire, Somerset and the Metropolitan were able to provide records on exactly what punishments were being meted out according to the Manifesto Club. So that's what you've got. You get more, more and more of your control freak society as they use behavior modification and punishment, which is always financial, uh, to bring everybody into line. And it'll expand and expand from all the things it started with to many, many, many more things down the road. That's, they always do. Don't, they always start with something uh, to make it seem, oh, I, I don't do these things. And then they expand all laws, expand and expand until you have to be watching not smiling at the wrong moment. It could be a bad sign. Uh, tonight, too, I'm putting up a, a video of the teacher who yelled at the student. I'm sure you've all heard about it uh, because he asked about Obama and uh, the teacher's name is added on it. But it's quite interesting because, you know, the teacher definitely is a, a, a absolutely 100% for Obama and I guess it's a political lesson or, or they were having. And 
the student asked about abuse after she mentioned that this other guy had caused abuse. And yet he said, well, Obama said he did the same thing in abuse. He abused someone at school, he said in his own biography or the ghost student one. And, um, and the teacher just goes off the rails. So it's a bit kind of back and forth, quiet at first. Then you hear the teacher screaming her lungs off because she's not, you can't insult the president. He's like, a, you know, he's like a god, obviously, see? And, um, that's quite interesting that, uh, the teacher is not suitable for even, even starting a, a, a topic to do with politics at all. The way she behaves. I'll put that up tonight too at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And we know, of course, those who are interested that the NATO protesters have already clashed with the police in Chicago. And um, it's a small group that always ends up turning up at all these demonstrations, no matter what it's for, World Trade Organization and so on. And they call them the Black Bloc, which are dressed up like ninjas. And I think they fly them all over the world, the same bunch, actually, because a lot more trained, I know, for a fact, in, in the Serbian area. There was a documentary I put up years ago on the professional training they get to go around. And you can hire them. Your, your police forces can hire them to cause trouble so as they can go in with the batons and all the sprays and stuff. And they do. And it makes everybody else look, look oh, they're all, they're all crazy. It's a small, small fraction of the public or the protesters who turned up. But everybody gets blamed in the end, always, always. But, uh, yes, governments can hire them too. Uh, anyway, Chicago police in right gear battle with the angry black bloc protesters at Michigan and Cermak uh, on Sunday with officers raining down baton blows, pushing taunting protesters back and leaving some bloody. A sea of blue helmeted police officers began violently battling with the protesters just before 5 p.m. The fight stopped and started and stopped for about an hour. A strong flare of violence erupted around 5.30 p.m. just as lightning began flashing to the east. This is after an hour of pushing, yelling, and aggressive crowd control tactics. Police pushed the block of protesters back 50 yards. Although most of the pushing and shoving had subsided by 6 p.m., a protester could be seen being dragged away by the police. And that gives you the story about all the rest of them getting dragged away as well with cracked skulls and things like that. And interesting too, Mayor Ram Emanuel, remember him? Ram Emanuel. His administration downplayed the seriousness of the clashes. While there have been scuffles with individual protesters, the Chicago Police Department has acted professionally and with restraint as protesters refused to disperse, one city official said. Throughout the clash, dispatchers could be heard on police radios reminding officers they were on live television and should, should show restraint. I wonder what would have happened if they didn't know that, eh? The press conference at 8pm Sunday, Chicago Police Superintendent Gary McCarthy choked up when recounting that four officers were hospitalized with injuries, including one who was stabbed in the leg. Several others were treated at the scene for minor injuries. They didn't have an, an estimate of how many protesters were injured, but many were bloodied and, la- and loaded into ambulances. Sunday night, at least one woman who had been arrested could be seen limping at a police station at Belmont and Western, and later someone was taken from this station in an ambulance with a police escort. So, it says here, the taunting protesters were throwing sticks, bottles, and garbage cans at the officers at the intersection, where a mostly peaceful march erupted into violence. As I say, they, we've had so, these, these guys, the professional uh, agent provocateurs are hired. You can hire them. And countries do hire them uh, when they want riots to take place so that they can basically smear all of the protesters with the same brush. This is common practice now. 
They hire them now because, you see, they've caught so many police at it before, dressed up like thugs. And even when in Montreal, one of the big demonstrations there, and when they caught these guys, they were, they were doing all, all the, uh, the, the, I don't know if they were throwing the Molotov cocktail, cocktails or whatever, but uh, they all had this military-style boots that turned out to be actually police boots. They were all wearing this, three of them, and that broke out there. They were the agitators themselves. So you can't even have a peaceful demonstration now. This is the tactics that governments use with the public. So just hire the black bloc protesters. And they'll turn up and do their job. And probably they're, uh, if they're caught, they'll just uh, get them out of the country very, very quickly to that same night. Old stuff. Old stuff. Now, propaganda is an incredible thing. Uh, there's this, this, oh, libraries of uh, on propaganda itself and how propaganda works and how to do it. Very old uh, studies to the present, modern studies. and But they've always really known what makes people tick, how to turn their minds, and how to make them to believe anything that they want you to believe. Uh, but, but always, too, propaganda, this was a surprise me this article, um, propaganda has always been aimed at both your, your enemy, your main enemy, if it's across the water somewhere in wartime, but it's also supposed to work on the public at home, because the public are not supposed to, they're not part of the intelligence agencies, they, they prattle themselves. So they must be taught the same propaganda. This article here says, congressmen seek to lift the propaganda ban. As though it had never happened before on Americans. Propaganda that was supposed to target foreigners could now be aimed at Americans, reversing a long-standing policy. So before it's a policy, see now they're going to make it law, that's what it is. So it says that an amendment that would legalize the use of propaganda on American audiences is being inserted into the latest defense authorization bill BuzzFeed has learned. The amendment would strike the current ban on domestic dissemination of propaganda material produced by the State Department and the Pentagon, according to the summary of the law at the House Rules Committee's official website. The tweak to the bill would essentially neutralize two previous acts, the Smith-Moon Act of 1948 and Foreign Relations Authorization Act in 1987, that had been passed to protect U.S. audiences from our own government's misinformation campaigns. Now, I think it was last year, I read an awful lot uh, uh, from the Pentagon's own websites on, the, on what they were going to put out that year in propaganda. There was hundreds and hundreds of stories that planned to put into the papers, the newspapers, uh, just to insert them and buy handouts, and no questions asked, of course, by the media. And so they've been at it forever. And that's for domestic use, obviously. Anyway, this is to make everything up above board and lawful so they can lie to you legally. And it says the tweet to the bill would essentially neutralize the two previous acts. The bipartisan amendment is sponsored by Rep- Representative Mac Thornbury from Texas and Rep. Adam Smith from Washington State. And little known press release error of the week buried beneath the other high-profile issues in the 642 a billion dollar defense bill, <laughs> including indefinite detention and a provision on gay marriage and military installations. Thornberry warned that in the internet age, the current law ties the hands of America's diplomatic officials, military and others by inhibiting our ability to effectively communicate in a credible way. In other words, misinform the public. <laughs> uh, make it legal, eh? Uh, critics of the bill see there are ways to keep Americans safe without turning the massive information operations apparatus within the federal government against American citizens. You've always been under it, folks. That, that's the big secret. 
you've always been under. Every country is under their own. Every single country in the world. Yep. So, but at least they can do it legally now. And they don't complain about it, and you're consenting to it as well. That's how it works. Now, I read this next article too, which is to do with the, the weaponized avian flu virus, which is, can be made airborne, you see. And I read that uh, last week. But uh, it's interesting to go through a little bit more of it. Uh, and in fact, I read about, about it last year because it came out last year and the government put the big, the big hammer on it. They didn't want it published. But the science journalist poised to publish a study that some experts believe could give the recipe to bioterrorists. That's nonsense because you're churning out, uh, you know, biochemists every year who could, who, who could make this in their, in their basement or their kitchen or in their backyard or their shed. It's not hard to do that. As I mentioned before, in the 1940s, during World War II, Canada was producing the most advanced deadly viruses and bacterium that anyone had ever made. Little old Canada here, under the, you know, the pristine white snow, we're so goody two-shoes, but we lead the world in, in this kind of field. And um, they said back then, from declassified documents, uh, that, that they could engineer a virus to be deadly in about an hour or so with what they call fast breeders. And uh, that's the stuff they put it into to alter it and so on. And Canada's deadly ally, or Canada's secret war, uh, Deadly Allies is the name of the book. Try to get a hold of it. It's by a, a ex-reporter of the Toronto Star newspaper. And he has a lot of declassified stuff from the government in it, from the U.S., Britain, Canada, all working together. Uh, they made lots and lots of all deadly stuff. So anyway, this article, back to this article here. The Dutch scientists who engineered the avian flu virus to make it more deadly to mammals by making it spread through the air. So it's aerosolized now. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, talking about the bird flu. Remember the one that fell flat on its face because the, the World Health Organization said years ago, oh, it's going to kill people all over the world. And it was, it's so hard to contract it because some parts of the world that we're talking about where they had deaths, the people actually drank the blood of, of the chicken before they cooked the darn thing. And if you can get a lot of things from that, not just that. But anyway, it was, that's really what, the, the few folk who died over it, uh, that's where it came from. So every, they caused all these panics over here and it did great business for big, the vaccine industry, the big pharma. And that kind of fell flat in his face as people said, well, it hasn't hit, you know, and it hasn't, we haven't got a killer a flu virus or the bird flu is what to call it, the deadly bird flu virus. So now they've made it a, a, a killer. Uh, so it is a definite killer. Now it can also travel through the air as well, which it couldn't before. It wasn't transmissible through the air. And, um, and it says here, the study is from an experiment by a Dutch scientist who engineered the avian flu virus to make it more deadly to mammals by making it spread through the air. What they did basically is, is say, well, it would take five steps if it went in these five steps, thousands of five-step programs, you might say. If it went these five steps, it could turn into a killer. So that's what they did. They altered the genetic structure of it, took this away, put that part in, and then they've got a killer on their hands. And uh, to prove that it could be done, and then they can anticipate. Well, if we see it going that way in nature, doing it itself, 
then we'll get ready for a big pandemic. This is their excuse. Anyway, it was funded by the U.S. government, which has sparked a passionate debate amongst the scientists. Part of the debate is over whether research where it could lead and whether it's worth it. Well, they want a killer flu. Mind you, they've got lots of other killers as well, but it certainly would be very efficient uh, now that it's airborne and now that it can attack all mammals, including us as well. So uh, that's really what it's all about. But that's what war industries are all about, isn't it? Killing people and they want to bring the population down, don't they? Anyway, some scientists are really, really against what they've done because um, they said that uh, it's just simply not worth it and it brings us closer to the nightmare of a massive, you know, not just pandemic but an epidemic. But uh, you can see where, what's really going on. It's old stuff, though, altering bacterium and viruses for, to make them killers. And all your governments have been involved in it even before World War Two, but definitely picked up in World War Two, and... It's, it's a nightmare going into even, even the stuff that's declassified from all that time ago. It's a nightmare if you, if you knew what the, they have on the table. Uh, and even ethnic specific ones, uh, as well only attack certain, certain types of humans with certain genes, etc. It's just absolutely disgusting. But that is the world that we live in. A very scary time. And actually too, we do live in a time when some, crazy person, just like the 12 Monkeys, remember the movie 12 Monkeys, uh, some guy who just didn't look like humans, probably a really top greeny character and there are some up there who really believe you should be cut the population back of useless eaters till there's only about half a, a, a million left or half a billion left on the planet it depends on what fanatic you talk to or read their, read their articles I read one from Finland recently and the guy really does want to kill most of the folk off and um these are the guys who are more likely to, to release this kind of stuff or work on it. That's all you really need. And these guys who go into these kind of occupations where they're working on viruses, do they have any psychology tests done on them to see what their makeup is like? Do, are, are there opinions on things? Are they fanatics by, by any chance at all? Or would they be snapped up by the Pentagon if they were, you know? Well, folks, now I need, really need your donations to start coming in because folk are just expecting me to go on forever, uh, just putting everything up for nothing. And uh, believe me, I don't dram ads down your throats. And I certainly need your help right now with donations to get the money coming in because I'm not even covering my costs here. From Hamish and myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>